All right, announcement. The big announcement is we are going to pursue what we feel God is leading us to do as a community, and we're going to pursue home church in this community, okay? Not just home groups, although there will be groups, but this is going to be the church that meets in Tim and Debbie's house. It's going to be the church that meets here, that meets there. It's going to be the church that meets in Davy and Robin's workout facility at their house. Okay? Uh, there'll be four different groups. We're still um, establishing who's going to lead which group and where it's going to meet. Um, but we're going to have that all narrowed down by this week, and by next Saturday, uh, we'll be able to give you specifics about who's leading the meetings, where they are, what time slots are available. And then you guys can just choose whatever meeting best fits your schedule, okay? Um, and we're going to go for this. We, we want to go for it with our whole hearts, and we believe the whole heart way is we're going to shoot for every week, you know? If an emergency comes up, if you're, you know, ill and you can't make it, okay, but we want to pursue it. Um, with our whole hearts. I know you guys are busy. Uh, I know, you know, just with one child, we are super busy. But uh, we want to go for this. We want to lay our lives down for this. So we'll tell you more about next week about the specifics, okay? And we're going to kind of give an idea and model what those home groups might look like. And we're going to have those who are leading uh, just give you a brief commercial of what is on their hearts. Because we wanted those, each group, we wanted the ones who were facilitating it to facilitate, facilitate according to their own hearts, according to how God has put it on their hearts and the gifts and the unique ways he's formed them. So no surprise, uh, Davey and Robin are doing home church workout. Um, I think that's great. It's been a while, over a year, since I've had a message for our community uh, that I've just felt led to unpack. And, uh, you know, if, if God's not putting something in my heart, if he's not moving me to speak, then I just, I, I don't want to hear myself. Um, but he's put something on my heart tonight, and uh, I believe he's going to be with us. So the title of what I'm going to talk about is Church in the Home. And I've broken it down into three points. The first is... Um, the Bible, the scriptures. What do the scriptures say about church in the home? So I'm going to give you a lot of references, and we're going to turn and uh, check, check those scriptures out. You might be surprised about how many scriptures explicitly talk about church in the home. Secondly, I'm going to talk about my own personal experience with house church, uh, church that meets in homes. I've got a, uh, more than a decade of experience of interacting with church in the home on a regular basis. So don't consider myself an expert, but Karis and I have certainly been uh, exposed and introduced and uh, involved in home church for a number of years. And, and then the last category uh, are prophetic words there have been a lot of prophetic words spoken about dwelling in this ministry. It's something very important in our DNA. We believe it's biblical to not despise prophecy, as First Thessalonians says, but to test all things. Um, there have been a number of words that have gone through the tester, I would say. Specific prophetic words about home church for dwelling, for this community. Okay, And I'm going to hit a few of those just so you can be encouraged. Paul said to Timothy, Remember the prophetic words so that they can help you. They can strengthen you um, to receive what God has for you. That you can inherit the promises. You can fight the good fight. So the prophetic words strengthen us, help us fight the good fight. All right, let's start with the scriptures. I'm going to try not to get feedback here. <clears throat> we'll start with one of the more uh, well-known scriptures about uh, church meeting in the home in Acts chapter 2 verse 46 what has just happened is 
God has sent His promise, the Holy Spirit, and it was quite a display. Rushing wind, a sound that shook the building, and it shook human history forever. We are still living in the wake of that moment a couple thousand years ago. And so it shook up the religious system of the day. It shook up uh, the Jewish Yahweh way of life. And there was a new way established. They didn't uh, call it Christianity. They called it the way. It's a new way to be human. For those of you who liked Switchfoot's 1999 breakout hit that paved the way for them to break into pop culture at large, not just like little 100 or 46 person concerts. They had a song called There's a New Way to Be Human. A New Way to Be Human. There was a new way to exist on earth that God introduced. And so many different things started happening. And I want to focus on this verse. Every day they, the believers, the church, the ecclesia or ecclesia, I've heard Bible teachers pronounce it differently, which is the way? Ecclesia? Ecclesia or ecclesia? Come on, scholars. Okay, my granddad used to teach it ecclesia, ecclesia. So I'm going to say it like ecclesia. I might revert into ecclesia. Either way, we'll come back to that word in a moment. Actually, you know what? Since we're here right now, let me just hit it. The title is Church in the Home. So because the Greek word is ekklesia, nuts and bolts of that word, it was a word for a governing body. It basically means a called out assembly. So it's a group of humans who are called out for a purpose of governing. They're assembled for a purpose to exercise authority over a certain domain. This is important because Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail. So God is, in these days, restoring the expression of Jesus' word. What is the church? This is not a church. This is a building where the ecclesia, the church, gathers. As we go into home churches, it's not going to be, uh, when you look at Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie's house, it's not going to be, oh, there's our home church. No, there's our home church. You are the, the church. You are the ecclesia. You are the called out governing body. See, we've lived so differently than an ecclesia. We've actually been governed by doctrines of demons, and because we're so governed by doctrines of demons, it makes us anemic. And so then the world, which is supposed to be, which actually is much weaker than the kingdom, they end up governing us, and we're the tail when we've been called to be the head. But God's changing things. By the power of His Spirit, He's taking His ecclesia, He's pulling us out of the tail mentality, He's pulling us out of the being stomped on by Satan, and he's going to do Romans 16. The God of peace crushes Satan underneath your feet. You, the ecclesia. So when we're talking about a home church, the ecclesia, the ecclesia has been called out. And one of the ways you're called out is to go in to somebody's house. He calls you out, says, you guys come here. Like Jesus called those certain disciples. He said, I want you 12 to be with me. He was the portable house. Everywhere he went, it was house church. And he was teaching, and he did a lot of his ministry inside homes. He was modeling house church before Acts 2. Okay, but we're, we're, there's so many examples that we could talk about how he was doing that in the homes too. But just to lay a, the groundwork, church in the home, church, which is you guys, ecclesia, it's important for you to meet in the home. All right, 
Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's important too. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Healed, set free, and delivered, by the way. Not just signing a card. They were thoroughly exposed to God's saving power. So much so that they got cut to the heart. And this is like a really good response to a sermon. Okay, When the people, 3,000 of them, say, and these are religious leaders, some of them, and experts, and they ask the speaker, what must we do? How do we exist now? That's a great example of fruit. When a message so ruins somebody, cuts them to the heart, the scriptures say, that they're like, okay, I'm like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm ruined now. My way of life is ruined. What do I do? Okay, get ready because that's going to be how he's calling us out as the ecclesia. He's going to bring us into a salvation ready to be revealed in these last days. Same blood of Jesus, same lamb, same cross, same resurrection power, same Holy Spirit. Yet we're going to see it with greater clarity than any human beings have ever. Because God is not an elderly man at Hardy's who talks about the good old days. God says the glory of the house in the future is greater than the one in the past. So his ecclesia, ecclesia, is going to be greater than ever. So they were regularly gathering in homes. This is not my whole message, but I do want to say this. As Karis and I have experienced home church over the last, I mean, I guess my first experience was back in 2004 uh, to 2000. Yeah, and so that was a regular experience with my, my granddad, Bob Neff, who had a house church here in Wilmore for 40 years. Uh, and then Karis and I, we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But our experience in house church, we went to house church seminars. We read books and saw books that were all about the house church movement. Um, God's done a lot of house church things globally. There's been more of it globally uh, outside of the U.S. than in the U.S. And it's been awesome results. Um, but what I want to say really clearly, while we are cheering the house church movement and we want to take steps ourselves in that, house church is not the answer. House church is not the way. Jesus is the way. And Jesus has shown himself to love the crowds of 5,000. 5,000 people don't fit in a home. He regularly taught the, the multitudes. 3,000 were saved through Peter's preaching. 3,000 people were not fitting in the house. This stuff was spilling into public places. And look at this. It wasn't just isolated incidents. Every day, they, the believers, thousands of them, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were continually, regularly meeting in public places, in large assemblies. So some of the house church stuff, material we came across, they wanted to throw out the big gatherings. And it was kind of like this rebellious spirit of like fighting against the norm, which we do want to come out of the traditions of man, but we don't want to spurn what God loves while we're doing that. God loves the big assembly. So that's why in our hearts, as we were talking about moving into the house church, this is not a substitute. This is a supplement. They're both vital. They're both vital. So, and this is the biblical basis, and there's a lot of other things. I just gave you this one, regularly gathering in the temple courts, the thousands that were saved, the thousands that Jesus regularly ministered to. We love the bigger. We love the smaller. Both are vital. All right. Let me keep going. Acts 5.42. Day after day, here it is again, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming 
the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Simple message. It's like the way is Jesus, man. And this is good news. This is good news. And we're communicating that in the public place in big assemblies, like our massive assembly of 21 right now or whatever it is. I never, I never do count. I just feel like this biblical, no, like David even counted the people. <laughs> I mean, you could get religious about that. Like, I can't see how many. But, you know, we got something like that. But one of the things that God has spoken consistently for years is bringing multitudes to this work that he's assembled. We had probably dozens more on a regular basis at one time. He's whittled us down to a little Gideon crew. But Gideon crews are really cool. They're really powerful. God's into them. Okay. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming. So this is continually in the temple courts and from house to house. All right, let's go to another one. Acts 20.20. Paul speaking here. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Look at those three scriptures we've just looked like in the what scholars would agree is the the purest and best form of how to do church in the book of Acts. Now You can also get really um, controlling about that by only looking at Acts, but there's other ways that God wants us to meet that are still consistent. But all three of these examples brought in the public, the big assembly, and the house to house. I love it just gives us some clarity on at least the substance of what God wants. How many of you crave to know what's the will of God for my life? It's one of the greatest questions a homo sapien can ask. What does the creator want? Well, that might not explain all the specific uh, details for his will for your life, but he does want you assembling as the ecclesia in big places or bigger and in homes. And if we do the things that he's already made clear, that puts us in a great environment to hear the more specific things, the, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I want to put some anticipation in your hearts as we step into this Mode, another level of walking closely in the will of God, I would anticipate, if I were you, to start receiving more and more specific direction from God. I would think, and I know everyone here well enough, I, I know you vicariously, I am confident that everyone here desires more of God's direction for their life. So I anticipate and I encourage you to anticipate that's what's going to come as we move forward in this. All right, moving along, Romans 16. Interestingly, Romans 16 is also the place that I referenced a moment ago where the, Paul says the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Romans 16, 5. Paul's uh, writing, he's saying, hey, give my greetings to these people. So he's listening off of uh, different people. Greet also the church that meets at their house. He's talking about Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple. He says, greet the church that meets at their house. And I think I'm going to come back and touch on this a little bit more. God's view of church, again, is different than what we have come to express and understand what well, we've understood it this way and we express it. You, you express something the way you understand it. His view of church is different than ours. His view of the ecclesia for this area is for 
let's say, Wilmore, the city of Wilmore, to be a unified ecclesia. Now, I know that seems impossible that we would get the Presbyterian Church, um, the, the Baptist Church, Highbridge Union Church out here, Free Methodist Church, GCF, uh, UMC, and, and you know all the congregations. I know it seems impossible to think about all those different groups coming into unity, having what Paul prayed for. And you know, anything that Paul prayed for in the Bible, it's an anointed request, and God means to answer it. Paul said, I pray, talking to one of the churches, one of the city churches, I pray that you would all be of one heart and one mind. And God prophesied in the Old Testament, he said, I will give them one heart and one way, one way to live. I know that seems impossible according to our experience and the lay of the land now. But with God, all things are possible. And he promised us in Ephesians, he promised us in the book of Revelation, which Chris was uh, pointing to, that we are going to become one. There's going to be a unity of the faith. We don't need the unity of the faith after Jesus returns. It's like, uh, here he is. We need the unity of the faith before he returns. That's his secret weapon to gather in as many as possible before Jesus returns because it's going to be the unified ecclesia who is marching as a pure and spotless bride who sucks in as many as possible to come into that oneness. Another petition, Father, I pray that they would all be one, just as you and I are one. That's Jesus' high priestly prayer right before he dies. He's asking Dad some of the most important questions and the most important prayers ever prayed. God is going to answer that. He's going to answer it, and we're going to be one. He has the church of Wilmore in mind. So he is pulling us towards one heart, one mind, a unified church of Wilmore, whether that's going to be in 2068 or if he pulls it off by 2029 or the Bible says, can a nation be born in a day? It's a rhetorical question. God's like, can I do this thing in a day? Your whole nation, huh? Bet I can. See, God is, has a holy cockiness about his ability. Is anything too difficult for me? He rhetorically asked Jeremiah. No. Nothing's too difficult. Nothing shall be impossible with God. And my grandfather, who saw a number of miracles in his own ministry, but he used to say, the greatest miracle all across the earth will not be resurrection from the dead. It will not be. The dead will be raised. You can't get much bigger than, like, dead people like coming back to life, like when Jesus visited the little town known as Nain, and a woman was weeping because her son had passed away, her only son, and Jesus walks by and is like, son, get up, and he rises up and starts talking. And everybody's like, a great prophet has arisen among us. I'm like, that doesn't even start to uh, cover it. A great prophet has risen among you? First of all, I think I would be speechless, and I've got a lot to say. There is something greater than dead bodies coming forth into life. And that is the church of Jesus Christ becoming one. The global church. The greatest miracle on earth will be the unity of the global church of Jesus Christ. That's what my granddad would say. And I believe that. I mean, a dead carcass raised for days it's been dead. Like Lazarus, coming forth, I mean, but to see the Lazarus church who is dead to unity, resurrected, that is something beyond anything we can imagine. But it, it happens by the power of God, but if we don't participate with the power of God, then how are we going to come into it? We are participants. We are called out. Not just sit there like statues or like one of those like Russian things. You, lots of dolls you keep pulling off and they're all inside. What are those things called? 
What is it? Desting? Nesting. Sounds, oh, I, I knew you. What is it, Rachel? Patrushka. Matrushka. Not, no P. Matrushka. He doesn't just want us to be that. And you could say the Matrushka is one, you know, all in. That's not what we're talking about, just to sit on a shelf. Participants. Participants in the promises. So, guys, this is a simple step, one small step for dwelling ministries. But this is towards a giant leap for humanity. God is calling us for a giant. This is actually a greater leap than humanity has ever taken what he's calling his ecclesia to. Something that the earth has never seen, oneness. Oneness. The constant hatred, backbiting, suspicion, jealousy, envy, division, factions. Thousands of years that manifested in bloodshed, death, carnage. And we're not getting any better. In fact, the, the 20th century, our last one, was the bloodiest ever. It's not just like they were bloody and making a mess of things in the dark ages. We keep messing this up. And in the church, we've got dead body parts, or we've got dismembered people all over because the hatred and the accuser of the brethren has been spitting venom through each other, through one another in the body of Christ. We're coming into unity, though, and we could never come up with a plan as dwelling ministries or any other congregation. We could never come up with a plan that would pull it off. If we could, Chris would have found it. He's a dedicated and disciplined guy. He's tried for decades. But now God's given him a heart of faith that I'm going to see something come to pass, whether while my boots are on the ground here or he's gone on to be in the heavenly Tennessee and looking down on the earth below. He's going to see that unity. God has put that seed in his heart. But we couldn't pull it off. Chris couldn't pull it off. But Jesus Christ, the greater Christopher, the greater Christ, he's going to pull it off. Not only can he, he's going to. He's promised us. This is what we're participating in. This small step is what we're going for, to see the church come together. If God can bring the globe together, surely he can bring the church of Wilmore together. The town of 5,000, you know? Surely he can feed the 5,000 here with the bread of unity, the bread of his own body that unifies us. And if he's going to do that with a church, surely we might be the leaders of the smallest congregation in Wilmore. We might be first in the smallest congregation in Wilmore. You know, not, not that we're here to try to figure out and crown the smallest congregation. We might be the smallest church. I'm sure we're in the top five Sure, we're in the top three, actually. Smallest, okay? Surely, if God's going to bring the church of Wilmore together, surely he's going to do it with one of the smallest little bodies, okay? He's going to do it. This is what the church, the ecclesia being called out and into the home is all about. It's not just a good thing to do. It's not just a random response to a good thing from God. It is going somewhere glorious. All right. Let's do a few more scriptures. Still in that 16. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. The household of Aristobulus. Next verse. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of of narcissus. God save us from narcissism. <laughs> Which, uh, side note, but it's actually very related. Paul talked about there's days coming where um, the love of many will grow cold and people will be lovers of themselves. Now, we're called to love ourselves in Christ. That's one of our big problems is we actually don't love ourselves as God is calling us to love ourselves, and we hate ourselves with carnal love. Narcissism. We are living at one of the most narcissistic moments in history. 
And we've, narcissism is no new thing. Self-love is no new thing. But we are so ripe with narcissism, it's making a mess of the earth. And the United States is one of the leaders of narcissism. Okay? And I love this nation. I believe in the glorious future of this nation. But we need him to save us from narcissism. That thing stands directly in the way. The problem of narcissism, self-love, self-worship, self-wisdom, head-nodding, my way or the highway, junk, prevents us from the oneness. That is why we're a scattered church of Wilmore, our narcissism. But God is going to save us from narcissism. But here's another example of meeting in the house, the household of narcissists, the household of Aristobulus. All right, a couple more scriptures. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Okay, there, there's a province, there's a region. The, Ephesus was in Asia, they had other churches there, but we've got a region of central Kentucky, the Church of Lexington, the Church of Nicholasville, the Church of Wilmore. And he wants the unified Church of Wilmore and the unified Church of Nicholasville to hold hands and be like, yeah, we're on the same team. Oh, you guys got that call? Man, we got this call, but we're on it. And then Lexington over here, okay? And then so on and so forth, up to states and nation and then globally. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets their house. Another reference to Priscilla and Aquila's house. Philippians 4.22. We're just going to start moving here. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Caesar had a household of believers. Colossians 4.15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So just for a moment, we saw that Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife, were team leaders of a house. It says the church that meets in their house. They were watching over that church. They were watching over that Ecclesia, okay? They were governing in safety, not in tyranny. They were governing over a governing body. They were helping. They were serving them so these governors could serve the community. But Nympha, it looks, maybe she was a widow. It doesn't sound like she has a husband because they would have said. He would have said, um, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, Nympha and John. It's an easy one. Ladies, you are called out to be leaders. You are nymphas. You are junias who is outstanding among the apostles. You are Priscilla's. You are Lydia's who was blessed with lots of prosperity and financial resources so she could help the ecclesia move forward. Ladies, you are important. You are important in this house church, this church in the home Pursuit. 2 Timothy 4.19. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. So Onesiphorus, or however you say his name, he had a house church that he was looking over. Philemon, or Philemon, 1.2. To Aphia, our sister, to Archippus our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So Philemon had a church meeting in his home. There's other scriptures, okay? But hopefully that was encouraging and and insightful to you about the number of explicit biblical references to ecclesia in the home. All right. My first experience with house church uh, was when I got delivered in 2004. I was actually delivered in the living room of a house church. So this is in my DNA. It's in my roots. I came in there full of drugs and destroying myself and pulling others in that way because the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. So I couldn't take the gift of leadership out of my life. I just It's who I was. And I was not, I was not leading in a good direction. Okay, I was being led by Satan, and I was leading people in the way of Satan. But I got delivered right there in that house church 
through an 18-year-old young man. That's just not many years older than Zeke. And this guy prophesied boldly, and through his mouth, the thunder of God delivered me. I was res- my dead spirit was resurrected, and I have never been the same. Two weeks later, as one of the prophecies he made was, God has a wife for you. She's a prayer warrior. She's praying for you right now. This was August of 2004. And two weeks later, in August of 2004, I meet 17-year-old Karis. And we have been together ever since, 18 years. Married 15 years in two weeks. You see how the ministry within that house church absolutely turned me around forever. And now God is helping me turn others around. He's working through me like he wants to work through you to turn people into his way. This happened in a house church. An 18-year-old boy who was raised up himself, he was delivered from drugs a year or so earlier, actually came to the Lord as he had just inhaled some illegal substances as a high schooler, and then he gets raised up, encouraged in a house church where he can use his gifts, and he was prophesying, which basically is speaking truth from God that encourages another person. It can be foretelling, forthtelling. It could be interpreting past, interpreting present. It's God's heart on the matter. And he expressed God's heart to me, and my heart got flipped upside down, or got flipped right side up, I should say. And the way I described it even right then was like, it's like I woke up from a dream that I'd been dreaming for 21 years and I came into reality. That happened in a house church. And the impact of that is being felt all over the place. Not because I'm something great, but because God is great in me and he's great in anyone who says yes. That came out of a house church. So I came back to Kentucky and was involved in my grandfather's house church from 2004 off and on uh, for the next several years. Karis and I moved uh, for a couple years right after we got married from 2007 to 2009. We're in Ohio, um, and we did house church there to a degree, too. We were serving with a, a more traditional church ministry. But then when we moved back, God called us into a specific house church launch. First Alliance Church, uh, which some of you know and have friends or family there, they did a, a launch, a church plant of a network of house churches. And this network of house churches was actually plugged into a greater nation, even global network of house churches called the Simple Church. It was Simple Church Movement, okay? And we went to conferences with the people who had founded Simple Church and who had modeled it. Um, had a guy from California come out, uh, the couple uh, who uh, really got it going from Texas, people of God who had seen amazing things happen. And one of the main fruits of what they'd seen is outreach, people coming to the Lord through the vehicle of meeting in a home. Um, it, it's funny because you think about home church maybe just being more insulated, and the main attribute of what they saw was people who were brought in, unbelievers. And I, I want to say right now, that is something Karis and I were talking about earlier. She was like adamant we hit on that. This is not so we can be more insulated. This is actually so we can reach out more. People, um, sometimes a person is going to walk into a home much sooner than they're going to walk into a building that in their minds represents religious condemnation to them. Okay? And they have some experience and evidence and a lot of lies from the enemy. But a home church, a group of people gathering in a home, can really be helpful to an unbeliever or to someone who's really, they they believe in Jesus, but they've really been hurt in these kind of settings. Okay? So it is strategic for reaching out. Reaching out in the way of bringing friends or coworkers in for a meeting. Just come on over to so-and-so's house. Come on over to my house. And not just that, although I encourage you to do that, but in your prayers there. We want you to prophesy and pray for one another, like Luke prayed for me. But we also are encouraging you to pray. Pray for Adani's family, his parents who are ministering in China. Pray for Sue's people in Kenya. 
Pray for the nations. Pray for Nicholasville. We want our prayers to go out, out, out. So with our personal experience with Simple Church from 2010 to 2012, and then God launched Karis and me from the Simple Church to a church here in Wilmore that Chris uh, referenced last week, and we called ourselves Foundations Fellowship. It's where we met Megan and um, just awesome. You were, when you came to Asbury first, you were a freshman. You were like a teenager, right? So teenage Megan comes and she just gets touched and you're still hanging around. It's just such a blessing, Megan. It's been over 10, it's been, you till 2012, right? 10 years this year. Wow. You got a decade in your management. Mm. So the fruit of that is still here. Um, Michael and me were, um, with, along with Karis and two other couples, we were leading in that area, in, the, in that group. And others who came uh, were, were part of leadership in that. Paul uh, is spearheaded for a while hosting in his parents' home, um, connected to the Foundations Fellowship, but also there was other meetings where these two were brought together in the home church environment. So Karis and I were involved in Foundations Fellowship for five years. And then God gave the call, as Chris referenced last week, and said, I want you to build with me, Travis, and with those who I call to run with you. I want you to build the Tabernacle of David in Wilmore. I had no idea what that meant other than I knew the Tabernacle of David had to do with music that glorifies God and prophetic ministry that comes out of that. And the whole goal of everything was to get God's presence to stay. I did know those basic points, but how that was supposed to play out in Little Wilmore and my role in it, and my wife and I, how we were supposed to do that, I had no idea. But it began with us meeting at our little house on Winding Way, where Adani and Noel now have their first little house on Winding Way. So we began meeting there. It was not even called Dwelling yet. We were called Tabernacle of David. We had Tabernacle Tuesdays. And Uncle Tim, Aunt Debbie, who I think Paul, yeah, you, you came. You started coming more when it was at Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie's. So we met at our place for a little bit, and then life got crazy with our brand-new baby. Zion was very different than she is now. She is such a sweet, well-behaved child. She screamed nonstop for a year, and uh, 87%, maybe 94% of that fell on Karis's plate. I did what I could, but it was mostly her being a champion for day in and day out. So we switched over to Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie's, but it was every Tuesday, it was home church. We would pray for the community. We would seek God, first of all. We'd have like a playlist from some of the people who were a part of it in those days, we had a pastor who was a part of it, and he was not used to, uh, like, more than a couple worship songs. So when we play, like, I put, like, a 57-minute playlist together. So, <laughs> you're like, what do I do? But God helped me not fall into any man-pleasing pattern this is about pleasing you. Like David's like, look, I got to dance before you because I'm so excited about your presence. Even if that's not popular with the people, even if it's not popular with my wife. Praise God that I didn't have a Mikhail or Michael wife who condemned me for dancing uh, in this song of the Tabernacle of David that I had no idea how to do. But we had some other dancers too. We started pursuing it. In 2015, it became Dwelling Ministries. God gave the name Dwellings to Uncle Tim, and then Karis was like, what about just Dwelling? So they tag-teamed, and I'm like, that is so right in my spirit. It so expresses simply in one word what God is calling this ministry to be. So in 2015, the official name of Dwelling came about. And I think it's so appropriate because I was getting my real estate license at the time, and the scientific or the uh, legal term for a house or a home is a dwelling, okay? And that is, was in the DNA for me personally. My dwelling was rescued in a dwelling. And then this ministry began in a dwelling, and it's continued to have that presence in homes. And I could say so much more about that. 
I'm not going to right now. So we've had a lot of experience. I will say this. God, in the end of 2016, after we'd been having our uh, tabernacle, we would have tabernacle Tuesdays. Then we'd have a Saturday morning brunch where Karis began cooking for sometimes 60 people, and she would do it all. Um, and then we recruited some help, and we had people pitching in. But we would do that every Saturday in our home, every Saturday morning. Then by the time we got cleaned up and breathed in and out, we'd have our Saturday evening, Saturday night soaking. And that's where we really got to know Naomi. Um, blessing. Um, and others. But those were precious times. Precious times. It was house church. It was church in the home. So we'd have the Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Tuesday at the Johnsons. Well then, and we had more stuff too. We had an alpha group for new beginners on uh, Mondays. On uh, Tuesdays, I had Teaching Tuesday, where I was teaching and sharing a lot of the prophetic words God had given me about Wilmore. Wednesday, uh, Karis had a Bible study. No, no, Wednesday was the, uh, the uh, brothers and sisters who would write up in our loft, um, or the Asbury worship ministry. And then Thursday, Karis had a Bible study. We got a breather on Friday to get ready for Saturday morning. But there was all going on at the home, and then God spoke to our hearts, and Karis was like, no, we're not doing that. I'm not. God's like, start a Sunday morning gathering that people are going to call their church. And at first, I was like, Lord, I, I'm not trying to start another traditional church thing. Why? Not so, Lord, like Peter, that's unclean to me. That's like religious unclean. And God's like, this is what I want you to do. And as I was resistant in the moment, but in the morning peace came and then I told it to Karis and it was a little delay of peace for it to come there but I tell this story a lot in those days I was up late in the bed there was God was doing a lot of stuff late at night with me and so Karis would fall asleep peacefully and I was like all right I've had to pull out this tactic sometime okay it's not evil it's not witchcraft and manipulation I just put my hand over there I'm just saying Lord tell her what you told me uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, I impart it to her. <laughs> and shortly, didn't take long, and she didn't fight it, she was in, okay? And we had our first little gathering with Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie and me, Karis, and Zion. And then we had Zach up the next week. He was living in our basement. <laughs> and then we had a few more people, and, you know, pretty soon we had 80 people meeting at our house on Sunday mornings. They were everywhere, okay? But God has continued to move us around, but it, it, the DNA is in the home. Now I'm going to end with some prophetic words that have been specific about this community's call. You guys right here. Though we had no idea that dwelling ministries would exist in 2006, he was talking about this group and what he had planned for homes back then. And he was probably saying it a lot more in, in other ways to other people who were listening. Uncle Tim had a prophetic word that he shared with me in 2006. 2006, I was less than two years old in the Lord, but God had grown me rapidly, and he gave me the Holy Spirit virus for I want it all, God. I had the I want it all virus early on, and so Uncle Tim and I were bonded as brothers in the Lord. He became, he, he transformed in my life from the distant and stoic uncle who I, don't, I might have spoken a sentence to just me and him our whole lives. And then he bonded us as brothers. And there was a season we were meeting. We, our meetings, we'd have to finally call it because I'd have another meeting. We'd meet for two, three hours. Get ready. Dwelling Ministries is obeying God. It's going to send shockwaves throughout the community. But Uncle Tim had this word back then that he shared with me in one of our early meetings as God was bonding us, and he was emotionally moved. And he said, I see something happening in our home, in me and Deb's home, and you're involved with it. I see this. And he and I, too, we thought it was more then, because that's the way, especially when you're growing in the prophetic, you get a word from your God, and you're like, oh, it's tonight, it's going to happen. I may have to wait upon the Lord until 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. And God's like, no, nah, it's going to be a decade plus. 
or, you know, maybe several decades. So that word, the vision, it tarried, but it, it was going to come to pass, and now I believe it's coming into fruition. He had that sense from God. At that same time, I had a prophetic dream, same summer, 2006, and I saw a ministry that was really impacting a lot of people at the time, uh, the International House of Prayer, uh, and I saw Mike Bickle and Misty Edwards, who are two uh, leaders there. Mike Bickle is the principal leader, and uh, Misty Edwards has been like the leader of the music um, for a long time now. And they were both there at Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie's house. We were having a pizza party, okay? And I'm like, in the, in the dream, I'm like, no, this can't be the Lord, because Misty Edwards would never eat pizza. She fasts all the time, and I'm sure if she does eat, she eats like saltine crackers like Noelle was snacking on. She, 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 had her, she pulled her pregnancy card. She's like, I'm allowed. <laughs> Misty Edwards, I'm like, she didn't eat pizza, but, you know, God, God has a lot of changes to make on our religious molds. And his front line is the International House of Prayer was at that time, and I believe they're very precious to God and they're important in his worldwide plan. He's got some things to say to Mike Bickle, to Travis Spann, and to all the church of Jesus Christ. Like, there's a way that seems right to a Christian man, but that way ends in death. I have the way. I am the way. And you saw me. You believed in me. You just didn't see me clearly. Now let me make myself clear. Eat some pizza, Misty. Not picking on Misty. I'm just like talking about how he's going to surprise us, you know? Like I said, he's going to have me and Bob wrestling, you know? There might be a wrestling match at one of the house church meetings. Why would that be of God? I don't know. Maybe Bob and I wrestle, and it's something that nobody ever forgets, and then Bob stands up under the anointing and preaches about Ephesians 6. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. This is not the type of wrestling we're doing. I just wrestled Travis Spann. He's a man, but I wrestled demons. You feel that? I feel the anointing on that right now. No kidding. That's, I, that's the most tangible I felt the anointing the whole time I've been talking. And I felt God with me. You see that? He wants to do things different. Holiness, the first definition of holiness, is not moral purity. It absolutely results in that. Holiness means different, way different. Outside, not in your brain, not like you. Unholy, that means not like you. We are not alike. We're not the same, man. We are not alike. We are not alike. But he's calling us into his likeness, his difference. All right. That same fall of 2014 when we started meeting in our house, Karis and I were still wanting to connect with this simple church group, so we would go to their fall conference. They'd have a weekend where they'd learn more about house church. So um, we were preparing to go over that Saturday morning, and John Kohlberg, who I've mentioned many times, has visited, and he, he also is coming soon. He is someone who's been an authority in my life for a long time. We're the same age, but he is been given by God as a safe place of authority for me. He's a safe place of authority and covering for this ministry. And he does that by foot washing, okay? That's what leadership is. That's what authority does. It washes feet. So John has been a very important part of getting this thing started and throughout. And he... Well, I tried to water the flowers. Oh, these didn't need it. It was just a little bit, and it didn't get in on electricity. <clears throat> we'll get it afterwards. There's a, there's a servant in our midst who's going to go, like, worship to God by cleaning that up right when we dismiss. One of you is feeling the anointing come on you right now. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Maybe it's me. <laughs> I'm feeling that anointing. <laughs> um, that morning when we were going to go to the conference, John texted me. And I could talk a long time about John's prayers and his texts. I mean, remind me to tell you the eagle story at one time, at one point, when I was in Alaska and John texting. It's awesome. But he texted me this morning. He said, 
Travis, God just showed me that he's going to use this work. Again, there was no dwelling. We had just started meeting. He's going to use this work to produce a network of house churches. And he said, the way this revelation came to me, he said, I saw a vision of a light bulb, and then the light bulb burst. And then, I mean, why is that related to this? I don't know. I mean, there's light bulbs in a house, and and some burst, it breaks to pieces. So I don't know. Jesus called the church the light of the world. And so you and your little church, you're going to break apart in a good way, and it's going to form into a lot of different pieces, a network of house church, a network of light. Um, I don't know if that's the way it, it specifically came. All I know is he said this work, this tabernacle of David, is going to produce a network of house churches. This is October 2014. We've been meeting for four weeks at that point. Well, I get that text, and I was like, amen, brother. And um, we went to the conference. We sit down at the conference, and it, they were actually holding it in uh, uh, McFeeders over on Seminary Campus, just right over here. And there's a slideshow for the weekend, and the theme logo is a light bulb with, like, like you know, light coming out of it. Um, imagine that. And I took a picture and sent it to John. I'm like, dude, I'm at a house church conference, and the logo is this giant light bulb. So what I'm saying is it seemed that God wanted to make sure that I paid attention to that word. And what God put into my heart that day as far as my maybe just limited interpretation, but I believed it was right. A light bulb, like in cartoons or whatever, a light bulb represents an idea. Oh, you know? And then the explosion of that is like God blowing our mind. It's not that maybe the idea was totally wrong, but it's going to look a lot different and bigger and, you know, crazier. And it's God. All things are possible. So you think about light bulb breaking, like, oh, no, we lost our light bulb. But then it's supernatural. You look around, every shard turns into a chandelier. That's the way God works. That's the way he multiplies. He doesn't divide and destroy. That's what Satan does. When God blows something up, it's because he's got a holy virus that multiplies. So each one of those little shards turns into a chandelier, and it's lit by the angels. Okay? So now, eight years later, almost exactly eight years later, God's like, it's light bulb time. And remember, he's going to blow our minds. He's going to blow our ideas. Remember the Bob V. Travis wrestling. Remember Misty Pizza. Remember. So we specifically uh, had the word come from Uncle Tim and Karis dwelling. That was a prophetic word over this ministry. And as I said, very connected to home church, house church. I had a dream in 2019 where I saw a network of house churches. And I saw some specific people I knew at the time, students from the seminary, who were involved in this house church. And one of the first things God spoke to me when Tabernacle of David was getting started, he showed me seminary students were going to be an integral part of this ministry. And it's cool how, you know, before... um, before the Sunday morning gatherings, our, there was limited uh, seminary participation. But we've had a steady stream of very important uh, pillars and a presence from Asbury Seminary ever since. But the 2019 was the dream where God was showing me. It was actually over in Talbot. Um, there's going to be a, a community, a, the city of Wilmore Church, but there's going to be expressions of that in, in different homes. And then up to, there's a lot of other things, but I want to just round it down. Up to 2022, about four weeks ago, when we were at the annual Epworth retreat, which is the place I went to, and then right after that is where I got delivered in the house church ministry. But the house church ministry, which, again, they're modeling it, they love the big gatherings too. They had, um, they every year do a retreat. And so we went there, and the the message uh, from a prophetic guy, was not just a teaching, it was instructive, uh, instructive, but it was also prophetic. His message was from houses to homes. 
And the whole time he was talking about this, I was feeling God speaking about the house where we live at Anderson Way and how God wants to take our house at Anderson Way into a new expression of home. A house is just a building that can be inhabited. A home is inhabited. It has food. It has laughter. It has love. It has relationship. And we have been facilitating that for the last seven years in our house uh, since we, we bought the house in 2015. But what God was speaking in my house, yet, or my heart, you've had seven years of creating a home, but what I desire for that place to be, it's going to be like it was uninhabited. That's how much greater glory of relationship and Holy Spirit presence. That's what I'm believing for. We've done what we could do. Karis has cooked what she could cook. We've hosted who we could have host. Now it's time for God to say, that's my house. I am jealous. Zeal fills me for my house. And I pray he pulls a Solomon. The first time Solomon dedicated the temple and nobody could stand in that thing because of the glory. I would love to be able to answer my door. The only way is I'm on the floor and have to pull it open. And whenever a guest comes in there, they lay with me. Hey, nice to lay with you. That's my dream. I sounded like Rocket Man there. <laughs> hey, what you got in the bottle? All right. Uncle Tim was hearing during that message, dwelling, dwelling. He comes up to me emotionally moved and says the whole time he, I was hearing dwelling. When he says that, my spirit awakens. I'm like, okay, on the drive home, you and Aunt Debbie talk and then send me your thoughts. They did, sent me a you know, 10 to 15 minute audio message. Karis and I both listened to it. We sent them an audio message back. And from then on, the last four weeks, there'd be no way for me to tell all the specific examples. Let me just say it in one word, confirmation. Confirmation after confirmation. Not that we would really need a clear prophetic word to pursue this. Okay, it's already lined out there in the word, which I've unpacked. And it's already been lined out in our prophetic history. But this is a now word. So I'm going to end it now, and we're not going to go into what the specifics might look about. Paul did a lot of teaching about what he wanted to happen at these home gatherings. And there are examples of what did happen. There was some stuff that needed to be addressed and corrected. We're going to figure this out together. But we are going to Isaiah 66, this word. God says, on this one will I look, the one who trembles at my word, who reverences and esteems my word. This has been his word to us for 16 years. I've given you a few highlights. And now he has made it abundantly clear right now. So we're going to tremble. We're going to say, God, in our busy American lives, we are going to pursue a regular once-a-week gathering for three months to test your word. Let every word be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Let's give it three-month witness. And I encourage you, look, there's no pressure. Jesus doesn't work that way, and neither do I. I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm, neither is Jesus. But I encourage you, invite you, give your heart to this. I hope you've been encouraged that this is not just something we want to do or try to do. This is unto God's global vision. This is a world-changing thing that he's uh, calling us into. And I don't believe I'm over-dramatizing it at all. I believe that's the word of God, I believe that's backed up by the backbone of Scripture. All right. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you have said. I pray that you would give revelation to every heart here and that they would hear the truth that you have for each of them clearly. I pray a blessing over every person. I release grace over their lives to obey um, your heart, not to religiously be compelled, but to just respond to your heartbeat, basically just to get in rhythm with your heart. And your yoke is easy, your burden's light. So Lord, I bless them to do that, come into your rhythm for their, for their jobs, for their families, their relationships outside of their houses, and I bless them to do that with this step and participation, the participation with your power, with your word, the participation in the ecclesia being called into the home 
And we call all of those in this region and even across the globe who will be impacted by this one small step for a bunch of misfit nobodies. We call forth those who will be impacted globally and locally by this little response, by a little Gideon band. And we give you all the credit. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Y'all have an awesome week. We will see you again next week, and we will have more specifics and commercials from each group of leaders about what the house church is going to look like for you to choose. All right. Amen.